Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey, man, okay. look what's going on. Hey, yo. Yeah. Hey, Patty coming back to the BK. Black and white. Hey. Hey, you balling. I got 40 tonight. There's going to be problems for the Boston Celtics this year. I'm telling you. Got her. We know how to lock Patty ass up. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a problem. That's right. The internet <laughs> never forgets. Never. And that's why oh, everybody had jokes last night and everybody yeah. had jokes yeah. today about the Brooklyn Nets. But listen, man, in fairness, because we are nothing yeah. if not fair here, brother from another, if we go keep yeah. receipts, then there's a lot keep of people receipts. that need to be eating their words today. There's a lot of people that need to be eating crow today because a lot of people fell for the hype. A lot of people fell for the okie doke and I'm looking at one of them right now. I mean, Michael, look, once the series started, even before the series started, once the matchups were set, you called it. You said Boston was simply better and that played out over four yeah. games. But okay. I will remind you and I'll eat my crow in a second, but I will remind you that not that long ago you were using the F word as it relates to the Brooklyn Nets. You were using the F word. The what word? You were saying that team the F word. Oh, fear. scared. Oh, scared. You scared. Say, oh, fear. Oh, fear. Oh, fear. Oh, fear. You, you were saying F. Oh, F word. Yeah, F. Like you said. Like you said. Okay. You were saying that teams okay. should be fearing the yeah. talent yeah. at the top of the, the Brooklyn talent. Nets roster. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know a lot you know of people, what? a lot of people identify them as that proverbial team that nobody wanted to play. Even me last as as of as recently as yesterday, I was like, oh, they ain't gonna get swept at the crib. They're not gonna get they'll at least avoid a sweep. You know, they'll win it, they'll get a gain. And now they go down as the first team since at least 1985, Michael Holly, to be the preseason favorite to win it all, and not so much as win a game. So before you unpack it, and before we talk about going forward for this these Brooklyn Nets, here's Katie and Kyrie. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that may factor into why we lose, but like, they were just a better team. I mean, they're just a better team. I mean, we they played that way. You know? I think it was just really heavy emotionally this season. Um, we all felt it. Um, I, I felt like I was letting the team down uh, at, a, at a point where I wasn't able to play. Um, you know, we were trying to exercise every option for me to play, but I, I never wanted to just be about me. And I think it, it became a distraction at times. And, um, you know, as you see, we just had some drastic changes. But now we just we just turn the page and uh, look forward to what we're building as a franchise and, and really get tougher. No regrets. I mean, shit happens. You know, no crying over spilled milk. It's about how we can progress and get better from here. I mean, we see, we've been through, you know, a lot this year. Everybody in the organization knows what we went through. 
you know, so no need, no time to feel regret or be too pissed off about how can we find solutions to get better, proactive as an organization to get better. Even the great teams, they don't dwell on what they do. They just try to continue to keep getting better. So for us, we know we, where our mistakes were. We just try to, you know, make tournament the strengths. Um, but we can't have no regrets on what we did. Shit just played out the way it played. In terms of my extension, man, I, I don't really plan on going anywhere. So, you know, this is, uh, like I said, this is added motivation for our franchise to be um, at the top of the league uh, for the next few years. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to the summer and just building with our guys here. Man. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh they got to be some regrets, right? Some regrets, Mike. Uh, and KD's saying, you know, just looking forward. That's all. That's what you're supposed to say. You got to have some regrets when you expect it to be a championship team. What was the first time since what year, you said? 1985. Fr- Freddie Gibbs. Shout out Freddie Gibbs. Anyway, I just, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to say that. Um, look, Mike. Um, uh, let, let me go back. Let me go back to something you said off the top. You said just a few weeks ago, I used the F word, which is fear, the Brooklyn Nets. And I, rightfully so. What? Okay, I got part of it right, and a part of it I just didn't put together until it was too late. You should fear the talent of the Brooklyn Nets. You should fear what Kevin Durant can do to you. You should fear what Kyrie Irving can do to you, and even some uh, like margin, like the, the role players. I call them that role players, like Bruce Brown, and even Seth Curry to a degree. You should fear what those guys can do to you. The problem with the Brooklyn Nets is that they were not fused together. It's not a team. It is a. It's a good. It's a good group, mm-hmm. on paper. But it's not they don't play as a team and and it's easy to say. I think it's part of the reason part of the reason I can say is their head coach, but I think it may be deeper than that. Maybe it's just a lack of buy in from one of their top two players Kyrie Irving. Now he tells you now he tells you that he felt like he was letting the team down. But when he was asked that during the regular season, he said, oh, bro, bro, bro. Come on, bro. It's bigger than basketball. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. No, I'm not. I'm doing what's best for me. No, now we get the truth that yes, it was a distraction. Yes, you did let the team down and look, you made your personal decision, but there are consequences to that decision. And the consequence is the Brooklyn Nets underperformed. Even though the Celtics are better, they underperformed because they were not a together basketball team. But wait, but wait a second. See, this, this is what I struggle with. And I know that you know, this is gang up on Shelby day. I know this is the day to talk about how, the, the, the failures that are that are the Brooklyn Nets. I get it. Okay. I love and, I, it, and I'm not right? trying to I'm it. not I'm not trying to give them a pass. I'm not trying to right. I, I get it. Okay. It's Kyrie It's KD. They're a super team. I, you know, preseason favorites even as recently as February as recently as February. They were still the betting favorites. This is after trading James Harden. And like I said yesterday, I get that when people don't do what we expect them to do. It's their fault not the fault of the expectations. We didn't get it wrong, but I, I don't think you can when it comes to the, the pie. Think of a pie chart. The pie okay, that is I got it. 
th this first round series, the more okay. blame we put at the feet of Brooklyn, the less credit we're giving Boston. It's not like it was a sweep and Boston's better, but it's not like it was like they outclassed them. The difference was 18 points over the course of four games. 18 points. There were 18 points. Yeah, right. they were they were in, so, in, in game so, one and two in particular. So we're not last night, the Nets were right there. Go ahead. So I'm not taking I'm not taking credit away from Boston then. What I, what I said no, but was, you are. No, no, I, I well, we Brooklyn, are. We are. If we're if Brooklyn, we're saying Brooklyn underperformed. Brooklyn underperformed. That, so okay, what should so they have saying, done? So what should they have done? They should have won this series. It should have gone seven. Don't get swept. Okay, but won a game. A team like okay, but won a game. But whether well, won a couple they of games in the first round, that's the extreme. Okay, it wasn't the classic series that we thought it would be. After that first game, people like me, I was like, oh, I can't call it. I don't know who's going to win this. It was right, supposed right. to go seven. It's supposed to be the best first round series of all time. Okay, whatever. This was a championship or bust roster for them. And what I'm saying is, yes, it was a 4 0 sweep, but it was closer than that. Those 18 yeah, points yeah, that okay. we just referenced. Yeah. So I guess, to I guess say that they closer, underperformed. History though, history won't Nets, remember that. History won't remember. No, it won't. It but I guess what I'm saying that. is, and this is this is extremely nuanced. But to, to suggest that they underperform, to say that they underperform suggests that they should have won two, three games, or even the series. And to me, that takes this away from zero. how good Boston is. Sure, okay, fine. But either zero. way, it would have been a disappointment. Don't get But it would have been a disappointment. This is an extreme. The sweep was right. an extreme, okay. but it would have been a disappointment right. given their level of talent. All I'm saying is when you when you blame Brooklyn for what Brooklyn didn't do, you're taking away right. credit. That's just how it works. It's math. You're taking away okay. credit from how good Boston is and Boston may be the beast of the East. Boston may be yes. the best team in the Eastern Conference. They've been the best team in the NBA since, since 2022. January. They're 30 right. and six in their last 36 games. Tell me about so it. I, I just don't want to lose sight of how good Boston is in this Boston conversation is, about how how underachieving Brooklyn is. That's all. Boston, Boston uh, is is a tremendous basketball team with maybe one. And now this is amazing. Think about this: with maybe one defensive liability in the top eight. Not, I mean that that's just staggering. Like all of their guys, you know, Marcus Smart was Defensive Player of the Year, but. If Robert Williams III had stayed healthy, he would have been in that conversation too. Al Horford can defend, Jalen Brown, uh, right. obviously Jason Tatum, right. go to the bench, Derek White can, can, can lock you down, Daniel Tice is a good defender, and then you get to Peyton Pritchard, ah, not so much. Grant, Grant Williams, Williams, another though. one. I mean, it, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, Grant Williams, very good. Grant Williams did a great job on Kevin Durant too, uh, annoyed him, you know, up in his face constantly, constantly have the hands up to avoid the foul, but just a big burly presence that kind of shook uh, Durant slightly off the spot. Boston is a great team. I think the series between Boston and Milwaukee will be the series of the playoffs. I really think, I really that's, believe that. That's going to be fascinating. But, so all that being said, I can't imagine Kevin Durant's team. Just forget about Brooklyn for a second. Let's start. Let's, let's, let's park on Kevin Durant's curve. Kevin okay. Durant's yeah. team. Kevin you got Durant's plenty of time to talk team. about Boston. <laughs> they still got is. swept. Yeah. First Kevin time in his career. Team got swept out of the playoffs. That's amazing to me. It's like Kevin Durant with three dudes 
from NBCU and then add one from the corner. That team is going to be all right in the playoffs. And they weren't yeah, one would think and he, right. And, and, right and he wasn't he even said it uh, after game three that he was overthinking. He was just overthinking it in game three. We had 16 points and some people you know how you lived here for a long time. You know how we do in Boston. You know game one a lot of respect for Kevin Durant. Oh, hey, you know, you know, Kevin Durant's not gonna have a game like that in game two. Game two, the Celtics win. Ooh, what's, <laughs> yeah. du what's Durant gonna do in Brooklyn? Game three, brother has 16 points. Oh, he quit. Kevin Durant quit. No, shots. he didn't. I know, what, what, but it's not just Boston, though. It's nationally. And you know what? K KG had oh, he time quit in, so he decided to. He decided to clap back at the idea that he was just along for the ride in Golden State Come when he was on, a two-time Finals MVP. Like, I mean, listen, Come man. Look, look, if you're the best player in the world, no, it's not a good look to get swept. If you're arguably the best player in the world, that's that's Giannis. We both agree that's Giannis. But man, you can't sit up here and, and act like KD's just some dude who who who, right. who was a role player on Golden State when he was the when he was the fi two-time Finals MVP. Yeah. Come on now, let, yeah. let's not get carried away with this thing, okay? Boston made him look normal. Boston had his number. Okay, he was in his own head. He was self-checked to a certain extent, but I don't think this yeah. is some kind of ding on Kevin Durant's legacy. That this is some kind of referendum on Kevin Durant. And no. even moving forward, because Game Five and Game Seven in last year's second round against Milwaukee, when he supposedly put all the 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 the, the, the talk to bed that he couldn't do it without great help around me. Stop. Moving forward though. No. It's gonna be fascinating right. because like this is what this is what I'm worried about. I need your help with this. I okay, need your help. Let's go. Help me help me not fall for the okie doke again. Because oh, you're, oh, you're trying to do even, it. Oh, you're trying to do it. Well, I know what you're about well, to say. I, so don't okay. do so, it. All right. Listen, I was alarmed. I was as alarmed as everybody else at hearing Kyrie Irving say yesterday last night. Yeah, I'm looking forward to managing this team or something. I think he used the word managing. management. Like, okay, managing this team with said, Sean Marks and Joe Sy. Yeah, and the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, wait, yeah. I mean, trip, it's like, man. you know, if he's, you're gonna manage a team, how about you manage to play more than 83 <laughs> out of 154 games the last two years? Meanwhile, Kevin Durant, 90 out of 154 the last two seasons. So their body of work suggests that they can't be relied upon to so much as play the majority of games. So there's that. There's the okay. idea that they want to continue running the team the way that they said, well, well, I could be the coach one day. KD could be the coach one day. Yeah. Nash could be the coach. I mean, it's like there's nothing around the culture of the Nets that suggests They're poorly coached, though. And you, then, you agree? And then, poorly, just as an aside, they're, they're a poorly coached team, right? They are poorly coached, I think. I think poorly. Co all right, well, let me. All right, I'm. A, I'm a, I'll come back to the point about management. We'll come in a back second. to. It. We'll come back. I to think it. poorly coached. Poorly coached is harsh, and okay. I do think a lot of it. A lot of the criticism of Steve Nash, and I'm not saying he's above reproach. I think a lot of the criticism of Steve Nash goes back to the player Steve Nash that a lot of people like to think was overrated because he never won anything and stole an MVP or two from Shaquille O'Neal. There's a lot of resentment towards Steve Nash. I'm not I saying this nothing. is you. I got no resentment. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying this I, is I, you. I, I loved him. But I'm saying I loved him general. as a player. Because how how, but how can you properly but how can you properly evaluate Steve Nash? Well, okay. Tell me how can you properly evaluate Steve Nash off the last two years and the guys going in and out of the lineup and the personalities that he's been charged with managing? 
I mean, he hasn't had he hasn't had his full team, so it's it's like you know you can't win for losing if you're Steve Nash. Because if you win with all this talent, well, you just you're just riding the bus. If you lose with this talent, yeah. somebody got to take the fall. So I, I just don't know if that's fair to say that they're poorly coached. Did Ma Udoka outcoach Steve Nash? Sure, but he had different and better pieces to work with. But can I get back to the, the the macro scheme for a second, yeah. if you don't mind? Hold on, hold okay. on. I got something. I got something. I got something. I got something to show you under the table. I got something to show you. Because you're basically going here. Why, why, why don't you why don't you bring up shoe size again? Bring up shoe size. No, I'm not bringing up shoe size. Bring up, I'm not bringing no, up, bring up the shoe size. Bring up the shoe size. This is like, hey, if this has just been a half a half size shorter, Steve Nash would be a great coach. Man, stop it. Stop with the excuses. I'm not making excuses. Hey, hey, no, no, I'm not making nobody excuses. Nobody wants to hear it. That's that, that wasn't an excuse. Nash. Wait, that wasn't an excuse. How I'm can we evaluate Steve Nash and the injuries? Poorly coached. That's, that's to say they're a that's Michael, exactly poorly coached. That's exactly. And look, this is how you poorly. This is a, how you can you, say you can say Steve Nash deserves part of the blame, but poorly coached. This is how you evaluate coaches. Why do we give? Why did you give Ty Lue love this year? And they were AC. Okay, I he's think, not. Okay, right? he's not Ty Lue. Uh, Michael. Okay, okay, thank you, Ty Lue. Eric Spolstra, there's a huge gap between those guys and okay. poorly coached. All right. Poorly okay. coached right. sounds like you're saying he should be fired. Sound like he's the problem. Right. Sounds like they would have they would have won this series he was if they wouldn't them. have had Steve Nash. He wouldn't have won the series, but I would say this. If you mentioned the 18 points, there was an 18 point difference, and it's a great point, really. A, a sweep, usually a sweep, it should be like triple that, but it was no 18 points. So uh, a, a little under five, but every game came down to like four or five points. You could argue that that's good coaching to keep them that competitive in a sweep, or you could go the other way, which is where I want to go. Should they fire Steve? Okay, should they fire Steve? If, if, if there's a slim match? margin, if there's a slim margin, hold on. If there's a slim margin like that, a good coach can help you pull out a win or two, can help you give you a strategic advantage or make you strategically competitive. But I think sure. Ime Odoka sure. just wiped the floor with him. I, I really do. Okay, that's a fair. Coach. Okay, that's fair. He was on his but, it, but but the, but the roster was also poorly constructed as well. You know, okay. or maybe right. maybe look, okay, sorry for the excuse, but maybe Kevin Durant was wore down. Or maybe Boston's just better. Let's come back to that, which you called at the beginning. Let's just come back to that. I ain't bringing it up last year. I'm saying if you want to say Steve Nash does not give the Nets an advantage on the, on the bench, that's fair. If you want to say Steve Nash is not a good coach, that's fair. But to say they're poorly coached, to say okay. that he's a liability, right. I'm sorry. He hasn't even had the team, let alone the stuff that he's had to manage behind the scenes, whether it's Harden, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Durant, whether it's the old ass people they've been trying to like plug holes with, regardless. But the larger point is this, the management okay. aspect about when it comes to the idea of management not only listening to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, even though Kevin Durant pushed back on that narrative that players like him and LeBron run the franchise like come on man like who we fooling you, you you may not you it may not be in your job title and he told us to Vinny Goodwill our friend Vinny Goodwill told him on the record like that's something that the media created. No, no, y'all did it at this. We're in an era of player empowerment Own it Own the fact right. that you and players like you deservedly so have a say in how your franchises are run. This is what y'all work for. Okay, yeah, so own what you, comes yeah, right. with that. I, no, no, nobody's why, buying the idea is, that you ain't got no say. This, in this is why this is why you're there. They were able to recruit you and say and promise that that's probably one of the promises. Hey, we'll let you you're part of the process. We're good. Yeah, no question.
So if 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 your management though, because okay, going back to what I was saying, I need your help with. I'm concerned about doing it again because look, I don't, I'm not comfortable giving a quarter million dollars to Kyrie Irving if he opts out of his option next year. I'm not I'm not comfortable giving him five years and 250 million dollars. However, the idea of running it back is not ridiculous because I don't think there's that far off. They'll get Joe Harris back, and I know what I'm doing, Michael. I'm putting my trust in two players who haven't played yeah. that much and also in a guy because see I want to be optimistic about Ben Simmons. I want to be like, well, you know what? He didn't play it all this year, but if they could get him right this offseason and you add Ben Simmons to this team, that's they're still in the contender conversation next week. I'll, I'll see you shaking your head. I'll just read you this and then you take it from here. We've switched roles. Check this out. We have switched roles. Go ahead. Go this, ahead. Go ahead. But just listen at this. All right. This is uh, this is from Shams. He, he says that <clears throat> with the Nets facing elimination on Monday in Game Four against the Celtics, Simmons pulled himself from his expected season debut. With sources saying he informed team officials on Sunday that his back felt sore. Everyone around the Nets organization had been given the impression that Simmons had zeroed in on Monday's Game Four as his debut date, and the franchise certainly was left searching for answers because of his inability to step on the floor in Brooklyn and what transpired in the first round. Here's the next part. Sunday's events triggered frustration and disheartenment throughout the organization, multiple sources said. The fallout of Simmons being ruled out Sunday led to a meeting among franchise officials, Rich Paul. According to sources, Simmons told those in the room that a mental block exists for him, excuse me, dating in part to last summer's postseason, which is creating a stress that could serve as a trigger point for his back issues. Although he added he does want to play basketball and play for the Nets as he works in solutions in regards to his well-being. That's not a guy you can count on. I know that. But if they were to bring right. these, these two guys back, Kyrie and KD, with Simmons, with Joe Harris, I still think you got to factor them in a contender conversation next year is my point. Am I, am I, am I naive? Am I still in denial? Yes. 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 <laughs> I thought you were Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. You're, you're you in denial. That. You're in denial yeah. for a, a couple of reasons. See, Brooklyn is, is, it's almost like they're doing something that the rest of the NBA doesn't do anymore. Like when you, when you, uh, let me go to, let me go to the West Coast and then come, and then bring it back East. When you praise the Golden State Warriors, you, you, Michael Smith, not, not the anonymous you, you, Michael Smith, when you praise the Golden State Warriors, you say, what about them? Have you noticed? You say a couple things about them that the Warriors, are great to watch. You talk about the Splash Brothers, all that stuff. You know, got Clay and and Steph, and now Jordan Poole. And you also mentioned what? That they play defense. They mentioned yeah. that they have a great defense. The Milwaukee Bucks are, are are long. They got length and strength and athleticism. They play defense. The Celtics, I just told you, don't have a defensive liability among their major players in the Brooklyn Nets. I all these Simmons guys talking about help that. Joe Harris. Hypothetically. Joe, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ben Simmons. Hypothetically. His defense will help. <laughs> right. Hypothetically. His defense helps. But who knows? Who knows where right. he no, is? Right. I, I, I just don't know. They have two guys who are just wild cards all the time who are permanent wild cards. Ben Simmons and Kyrie. And both of those guys are max salary players. And you're going to build. You can't build your house. That ain't no rock. You build what, your house. What's the alternative? Money. What's the alternative then? If you're the Nets, if you are actual management, what's, what do you do? Build 
a build build around KD. KD is your constant, and then everybody else. Okay. Take, what do you do? Take the Rob Palinka approach, the Rob Palinka, LeBron James approach. Everybody so else. So what do you do with Kyrie? What do you do with Kyrie? Can I trade him? Am I allowed to trade him? You know, I, I, no? be, I guess if he opts in, if he opts out, he's a free agent. Do you let him walk? Do you yeah. say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks, and and, yeah. and piss off, yeah. KD. You, okay, you're building yeah. around KD. KD, despite his denials of any goodwill, that's probably his call. These dudes, you you in bed with these dudes. And Ben K- Simmons, KD what you gonna get for Ben Simmons? You gonna trade Ben Simmons? I hey, look, I'll make him available. I'll make him available. See what I can get. Look, I will take Ben Simmons. I told you yesterday. I would take two or three lesser players than Ben Simmons as long as they're available. And you, they, all, you, they need to I start building. Is, they need to build a team. Everybody else in the East, uh, their their competition: Milwaukee, Miami, Boston. They got teams. Let me and Brooklyn. Let me say this as we go to break, because we got Spears waiting for us on the other side. All I know is we are not that far removed from saying what the best player in the world and the defending champions weren't and what they couldn't do until they broke through. I know that the Nets haven't gotten a championship to, to show for this pairing, but it's I'm sorry. They're running back next year. I'm not ruling. It's I'm, not, I'm not writing them off. I ain't betting on them, yeah, but I ain't should. writing them off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what? No, no, no. All right. All right. I'm good at bets, by the way. Ask Mark Spears. I'm good at bets. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. I've been saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive and he, he needs to be himself. Um, you know, that's you know, that's not really my job. Um, you know, that's probably on coach uh, to, you know, talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots, uh, especially if they're going to guard me the way they've been guarding. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's really not my job. Mark J. Spears from Anscape is joining us from Miami. My man is uh, racking up the frequent flyer miles as usual. You were in Philly last night. We'll get to that to start. Miami tonight for game five. And then you head to New Orleans tomorrow. So we're going to make our way around the playoffs with you, Mark J. Spears. Starting with Philadelphia. So look, man, only three teams, as you know, have ever so much as forced a game seven after falling behind 3-0. Of course, nobody's ever come back from 3-0. I guess it feels rather fitting that Doc Rivers and James Harden on the verge of, of being the first team to ever choke away a 3 nothing lead. I know I do not trust them to go on the road and beat Toronto in game six, and I for wow. damn sure don't trust them in a wow. closeout game at home in Philadelphia. Ooh. So, Michael, I, Michael, I don't know if this still counts, but my pre-series prediction that I jumped off of of Raptors winning this series on. is actually going to come to pass, Mark Spears. What say you? Are the Sixers really about to blow this? Oof. Man, from what I saw yesterday, it, it, it didn't look good, guys. And they just had a bad vibe. It looked like the team that was down in the series, not up in the series. And the confidence of the Raptors is just brewing. It's brewing. 
like they believe that they're going to win this series. And the sense I got when the, some of the players were leaving the locker room was like, yeah, we got them where we need them. We're good. We're going home. We'll be back. Like they're, they're, they're budding in confidence. And, you know, it certainly was a disappointing night for the Sixers there at home. And I hadn't been to a game in Philadelphia in years and their crowd was ready to celebrate. Meek Mill was there and man, they, they tried to bring them up but they just weren't fighting. They didn't, they didn't have any sense of urgency. They didn't have a fighting spirit. It does seem like Embiid's injury is bothering them. James Harden seems lost. Man, Maxie seemed like, and Harris, I thought both of them played well offensively, but there was nothing intimidating about this Sixers team. There certainly is a lot of reason to be worried about them right now. All right, so let, let me ask you this. Uh, we all know Doc Rivers and, and love talking with Doc. He's really a fascinating guy to interview, as we all know. And Mark, you covered him for the 2008 championship team in Boston. So I, I know he feels like this is not a fair knock on him, that you know he's always <laughs> helming a ship that seems to be sinking at the most inopportune time. But... Yeah. Can you see any kind of pattern? Is there anything? Is there any fairness to, hey, this is what Doc Rivers teams tend to do? I think the pattern is you got to, you know, I think coaches get too much blame and too much credit, right? Um, if you look at one of those times in the bubble, I was there. Those Clippers players didn't want to be there from the moment we got to the bubble. Um, you had three guys that all took, you know, leaves of absences. Also, obviously, there were personal reasons involved, but that kind of threw everything into a whack. You know, the Clippers were a team that voted not to be in the bubble before they got there. They voted to leave when they had the, you know, uh, Milwaukee Bucks walked out. Um, they just just didn't want to be there. So I was that was one of the oddest games I've been to. Um, when the Nuggets knocked them off, you had guys asking to come out the game. I, I have a hard time putting that one on Doc Rivers. It's hard to motivate a band that doesn't want to play music. And th those guys definitely wanted it out. And with this group, just something just ain't clicking with, with James Harden there. You know, and, and Bede's injury just somehow got leaked out. Like, we, we got to start. <laughs> we got to make these players accountable, too. I mean, Doc's not missing shots or not taking shots, right? Like, why is it his fault? I mean, I don't know that there was any coaching move he could have did that would have altered the dynamics of yesterday's game. The Raptors just looked and played better. Don't worry. There's going to be plenty enough slander to go around for both Doc and uh, James Harden if it comes down to that. I'll be interested to see which who gets it worse, the Nets after last night or Doc and James Harden if the Sixers do in fact blow a 3-0 lead, which I, at this point I believe that they will. Um, but going to those nets, where does Brooklyn go from here, Mark J. Spears? <sighs> Man, just get away. <laughs> I literally go to Log Cancun. Off. Yeah, go to get Cancun. Get off KD. <laughs> somewhere, man. Go go somewhere far and just turn it off. And KD, turn off your phone, man. Just 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 get away from it. Um, they need to unplug. Um, there's certainly to me a lot of. Um, finger pointing that they could do all over the place, whether it's the coach, whether it's KD not playing well, um, whether it's Kyrie missing an amazing amount of games, Ben Simmons, 
just go away, man. Just just turn it off because this it was doomed from the beginning. Um, and maybe with a longer offseason for Ben, uh, maybe if the pandemic is under uh, is handled that they could have a normal season next year. Um, obviously, people are keeping an eye on Steve Nash and, you know, whether he could end up being, um, you know, somebody that's uh, exercised and all this. But it, it just looked bad. It, if they had to fight in a plan, come on. Like, I, I saw it, and, and there's no team in the NBA playing better basketball than the Boston Celtics right now. So that, it was just uh, bad all the way around. Well, you know what? That's a perfect segue uh, for something I want to ask you and, and see if you think this take is a little crazy. But, you know, last year I, I looked at Giannis as a top five player, clearly top five player in the league. And he went from five or four to one after I watched what he did in the playoffs, especially in game six. So he's still my one. Giannis is my one. Jason okay. Tatum was outside of the top five. For me, before the playoffs oh, started, four Keep games. Down that door, huh? Four games. I think he's a top really? five party crasher. Yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. he's in your so, top. He's in your know. top five right he's now. Five, as we five. speak, he's in your top five. Now, number five. You know, you get, five. You, get, you get to five four quick. And five. You get to five quick in the four NBA. You get to five oh, I get, real. I get okay, to four go. and five quick. Go. Yeah, I got. Go. I got go. five. Top five. five. Go. Go. Giannis. All right. Who else? Giannis. Go. Who else? I can't think of nobody. You tell me. You tell me. You don't want to say Tatum in the top five. No, you tell me. I got Giannis. I got Giannis. I got Durant. I got Tatum. Uh, am I forgetting anybody obvious? I prob- I'm probably Curry. not. Yeah, you are. Jokic. Who? Curry. MB. Yo- Jokic, Embiid. Embiid. Steph. Luka. LeBron oh, James. How about LeBron, no, 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 LeBron James? No, 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 not right now. No, not right now. Okay. Got to put LeBron on All the- right. Gotta put LeBron out. I'll put okay. Jokic in there. Is that five? Probably. Curry. 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 Probably eight right now. Curry on the outside. <laughs> Curry. Curry on the outside. Curry's on the outside. Man. Outside of the top five. Yeah. Prisoner of the hey, moment. Man, I'm telling you. Because you know, you know, you know why? Fight you. I'm not gonna fight he's you. Doing, he's a two-way right player right now. Mark Spears, two-way player. Hey, I, I'm not gonna you fight see? you on Tatum right now. Uh, I think Ime Udoka who's an amazing job, coach of the year type of job, has brought the best out of him and basically pushed him to say, hey, stop looking at these elite guys as your big brother and start dominating him, dominating them. And I see a difference, man. He looks like he belongs. Um, You know, I think Brandon Ingram is playing the same type of way, just basically Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to stop letting the game come to me and I'm just going to just be a, a Jordan-esque kind of score. And so, to me, if there are two guys in this postseason that to, have taken it to the next level, a superstar level, by my jersey level, it's Tatum and Brandon Ingram. Shout out, dude. Okay. Okay, wait. Hold on. I guess I'll I, – see, I'm going to sound like a hater right now. No, like, I love Jason Come on, Tatum. Hey. Okay. Hate on it. Hate on no, it. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I appreciate. I appreciate the take, but again, he can. You can be elite. You could be a superstar. You could be ascending. You could be all of those things. Top five, though. Again, you get to five, five. real quick, 
real yeah. quick, and maybe I'm just not. I don't know. I just I got I hold on to that. I hold that dear and dear. Okay, first of all, I don't know how he's he's going to be on MVP ballot, so he's top five by that metric. He'll be on. Yeah, he might finish be, fifth in MVP, be, MVP voting. He'll be first team. I can't, all NBA. Okay, so we put so so. Sorry, Steph's still a top five player in the NBA right now. Durant's still a top to five player in the NBA right now. To me, okay. Durant's still a top right. five player in the NBA right now. Okay, we talked about this the other day. You can be the best right. player in the series and not be the better player overall. That's right. Uh, Jokic's about That's to be back to back MVP. All right. Jokic's about Luka, to be. I mean, Embiid. Embiid's a top five player. No, that's no, that's true though. That's true. Luca. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah. you know, and you, and you, can't you take Luca. Would you take Luca over Tatum? I think it's an argument. It's an argument. Luca, does Luca play D? Luke, not like Tatum. Even if he does, not like Tatum. Yeah. No, but but answer is probably yeah. no. But not like Tatum. But I mean, here's uh, another guy in his playoffs that's 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 reestablishing himself. Jimmy Butler. I mean, and and yeah. we're just talking about the healthy dudes. Hey, man, can we, dudes can, we that, can we stop? Overlooking Devin Booker. I know he's hurt right now. Devin Booker. I was just about to say that the injured well, dudes. Devin he, Booker's one he, of them. He has to be in but every yeah. conversation from this point forward. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, I don't I know think, what I it think, is about him. I think, why is, is it the Phoenix thing or whatever? I've asked his people why his name doesn't come up. From now on, you know what it is? Devin Booker needs to be in every conversation. Is it CP3? You know what it is, so CP3 kind of like unintentionally take away from the credit that Booker should be getting? Um, perhaps, Mike? yeah. Mike, what do you think? Well, what do you he's think special. Yeah, no, Devin I was going to say, I was going to say, I think part of the problem is, and, and Devin Booker, I have no problem with Devin Booker being there. Part of the problem is when we do these things, they change faster than we want to uh, acknowledge. So we always get okay. to, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. ageist here. Can I be ageist here for a second? We always put the okay. veterans. We let the veterans. This ain't the Supreme Court. You just can't be top five. And you, you don't, have a, stay life, you don't there. have a lifetime appointment. So, no, that's so fair. We, but you got to do more. So we got to do step, more than go to step, the conference finals. Don't you? Oh, so what if you've never been to the conference finals? Has Jokic been to Yeah, he has. But I'm saying if, if you've been to the conference final, is that it? You got to go to the conference finals to be on there. Lucas. No, no, no. I'm saying Tatum. Finals? I'm saying for Tatum. I like, okay. Tatum might, they might, they might run into Milwaukee, even though Middleton's out. They might run into Milwaukee next round and get sent home for all we know. As great as they okay, look after this one series. That's going to be a hard series. That's going to be a hard series. No question. But, but, uh, but going back to Devin Booker though, um, Spears, his value is pretty obvious because some people knew in game two, that the Suns were in for a fight. You are going to New Orleans tomorrow. Uh, your boy Michael Holly was in denial, disrespected Nola, disrespected the 504, was clowning on the Smoothie King Center, dog. Please Smoothie educate King. this man. It's hostile. On the fact it's that the Pelicans they Nobody made the playoffs via the play. They made the playoffs via a, via the play-in Spears. But tell Michael Holly why they are not a play-in team, if you will. You understand what I'm saying? Um, Willie Green has them dudes fighting like no other Pelicans team I've seen before. Um, these guys all know their roles the same way we're seeing Jason Tatum step his game up. Brandon Ingram is ste stepping his game up to be an elite scorer, and I don't see him dropping off of that. C.J. McCollum has been an amazing leadership force for him, steady giving them 20 points a game. And then defensively, they got length, like, and their young guys are balling, and they don't look like they just started playing. 
This is a scary team. And I'm going to say this, and you guys can file this away. I don't think Devin Booker's coming back in this series. And if the Pelicans do win this series, they will be in the West Finals. Wow. Wow. So you have them I think they're good enough to beat either Dallas or Utah. Seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I would yeah, not be surprised. Yeah, right, and the then five, yeah. here's yeah. the thing. If they advance, okay. that's when the pressure gets on. Okay, you ready, Zion? Are you really ready? Does ownership Ooh. start getting a little like, hey, man, we got a shot at this now. Let big fella go. Let him out. I, 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 there's some really intriguing things that with this game, they play tonight, right? Yeah. Pelicans win this yeah. game. I'm going to talk about Smoothie King being. Ooh. Boy, it's going to be more no limit than Smoothie King. It's going to be crazy. Hey, man, no, wait. Hey, Master P going to come with the tanks. Brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lil Wayne might show up. It's going to be crazy in that joint. All you're going to hear is bounce music. Yeah, yeah. Right I'm telling you, Smoothie King is just a name. I do know that. Hold on. He I know something about Boone Spears. I, I, I tell you, I follow. I tell you who I follow. I follow both of y'all on social media. So uh, Mark Spears, <laughs> I remember you writing about it. You said it was like a Mardi Gras. You said it's really fun, good vibe in here. It's like a party vibe. You ain't say it was hostile. You ain't say teams yeah, didn't want to play there. Yeah, but they had to play for anything. Okay. It's, this is okay. different. Right. You've been to the Saints well, listen, game when so, they when they got something to play for. Obviously, it's probably the most intimidating place in in football. Maybe, maybe the next time I see you, we'll be talking about uh, the party scene in New Orleans, and we'll have a little something to drink. And let me take care of it now, brother. Since you, hey, I might very provided. well be in Boston soon. We can oh, crack okay. crack gonna, that bottle I gave you. No, wait. We'll wait till summer. We're gonna wait till summer. We, we got to do it on Martha's Vineyard. I, I just got to say, we got to do it on Martha's okay. Vineyard. We can't, we can't do it in Boston. We got to be on the Vineyard. Yeah. We got to come that's back. That's a pretty bottle right, there, huh? So that's a great bottle. Mark you know, Spears. You know what the, that wait, you know the best, that's a you know the best part? bottle, too. That ain't no regular bottle. But you know you know the best part about, about this flex? You know the best part? Michael has no problem benefiting from the Lakers' demise. But he up here, like, raw rubbed the wrong way, like opposite of Johnny Gill, rubbed the wrong way because LeBron got the nerve to be enjoying his vacation. LeBron and LeBron living life with Savannah. He like, oh, too soon. You shouldn't be dancing. And he, you and know, he talking about going on the Mark island. Right. And he, and, he got, and he got the wine bottle thanks to LeBron. So I, I just we, think we can't open until we get to Martha's Vineyard. That's right. See, I'm not drinking. Unlike LeBron, I'm not celebrating yet. There's still playoffs to analyze, to talk about, to dissect. We will celebrate after the playoffs, hey, what, not during LeBron. You should be there. Hey, what's the name of that, that, that beach? The Black Beach? Oh, yeah, the Inkwell. Oh, the Inkwell? Man, I was so Inkwell. disappointed when I saw that beach. It was like two people could fit on that beach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was hey, crowded. Enjoy South Beach. The Inkwell, huh? Enjoy, enjoy South Beach. You're in Miami. You're headed to New Orleans. Uh, safe travels, man. We appreciate you. Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon, brother. Thank you. Love y'all, man. Love you too. It's not the beach itself. It's not the beach itself, Mark Spears. You should know this. It's everything around the beach. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, 
and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Mike, in approximately 48 hours, we may have some kind of clarity as to whether the Jaguars have, in fact, zeroed in on Georgia's Trayvon Walker, who is now the betting favorite to go first overall in the 2022 NFL draft. Supposedly, they were, you know, discussing four players for the longest time. We thought Aiden Hutchinson would go number one, but the Jaguars uh, keeping the intrigue alive. Uh, and the buzz is that they're going to go Trayvon Walker. They're going to go with the workout more than the production. And with that, given mm. how the AFC South is Ruling the top of this draft, you got Jacksonville number one. You got Houston at three and thirteen um, in the, in the first round. Who better to educate us than Mike Patton, the host of touring the AFC South? Uh, Mike, it's good to have you, man. You got the name, you fit right in. Welcome to brother from another. Welcome, <laughs> glad to welcome you into the brotherhood, into the family. So let's start with Jacksonville, man. Uh, what do you know about which way they're leaning, and which way, in your opinion, your expert opinion? Should the Jaguars be leaning with the number one overall pick? Honestly, the buzz about uh, Trayvon Walker is definitely picking up. Um, you know, definitely need a guy there to be the man inside in their defense. Uh, of course, the trenches are not necessarily their strong suit. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly, I think they, they end up going with uh, Aiden Hutchinson, to be honest. Even though we're talking about Trayvon Walker, we're pumping him up, we're saying, hey, he might be the guy. I honestly still think they go with Aiden Hutchinson because, you know, honestly, right now, I don't think they know where they want to go, but I think they're going to go with the guy that they know over the guy that they don't know if he's going to be the guy. Let's see. Go to safe route. You know what? Yeah. Right. You know, you know, fellas, old Jacksonville thinking would be, well, Walker played at Georgia, and it's, it's right down the road, and we're an SEC country mm-hmm. anyway. So, you know, why not just bring in a guy our fan base can identify with? Uh, I, I hope they're not thinking that way anymore, but I, I just want to get, get your take on it, Mike, because I got from afar, I got really excited looking at Jacksonville's free agent spending. Like, oh, Jacksonville, there they are. They're back in there. They're doing some, uh, doing some pretty good things. How, how, how would you assess their, their free agent, the free agent aspect of their offseason? Wow, it was uh, definitely a blitz. I will say that. But uh, <laughs> as far as uh, their their all season, I mean, honestly, I was surprised they they gave money to what three wide receivers. I mean, that was that was pretty shocking in its own right. Christian Kirk, you got uh, Zay Jones, and he, um, well, you had two wide receivers, I should say. But you know, just with with their their team, I, I'm not shocked that they went on that spending spree because you know Doug Peterson's brought there to win, not there to hold a seat. Um, and, you know, maybe they're trying to show something different. Uh, the one thing I will say about their free agency that did kind of uh, irk me a little bit, you know, the Christian Kirk signing, you know, w- no one really thought that was going to be that amount of money that he was going to sign for. And that kind of reset the wide receiver market, of course, obviously with, with all the different signings that have happened over time since he got that contract. Um you know, the signing of the, the middle linebacker from uh, Atlanta was was huge for them. You know, they got pieces they needed. 
they got a cornerback, uh, Super Bowl champion from the Los Angeles Rams as well. I mean, they got pieces they needed. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue to build on that and the trenches, which is that's where they disappointed me, I would say, a little bit more is the trenches. I thought they would go heavy there in the offseason. They got a couple guys, but they needed it on both sides, not necessarily just one. Uh, let's move to the Texans at number three. And of course, without knowing what Jacksonville does at one and Detroit <laughs> subsequently at two, kind of hard to zero in on, on what the Texans might be doing uh, with, with their two first round picks, one of 18 and two ter- first round picks at three and 13. As I mentioned, they got their second, they got two thirds, two fourths, and now a fifth courtesy of that trade with the Patriots the other day, 11 picks overall, five of the top 80. What should the Texans be thinking in this first post Deshaun Watson era draft? Build up the offensive line. That should be the biggest thing. Honestly, you know, they have, uh, you know, of course, they're starting offensive tackle now that everyone talks about, you know, Tunzel. But, of course, he false starts a lot. You know, I I call him the false start king. But, uh, you know, as far as that, they need to build up that offensive line because they, they do have a young quarterback that they believe in. They want to see if he's good or not. And, of course, you can't see much when you're looking straight up at the sky. So, you know, honestly, they need to add to that. I think they need to build there and build around the offensive side of the ball. Of course, you know, I will say they don't have identity defensively as well. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they go offense on one pick, defense on the other. Uh, honestly, I think they should go offensive tackle. If Evan Neal is there, go there with him. Then on uh, defense, I mean, try to find something. If you try to find something in the middle of your defense, if not, Hey, trade down. There's no no uh, fault in doing that at all. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go uh, just big picture in the division to you as a close observer, being the close observer that you are, looking at the AFC South. I know Indianapolis gets a lot of love, but uh, Frank Reich has never won a division title there. Uh, Tennessee did great last year, but lost to Cincinnati in the playoffs. How close is this division to being? competitive top to bottom like an AFC North or what we thought the NFC West was going to be before Seattle fell off last year. How close is the AFC South really to is it like a year away two years away? What do you think? I would say at best two years away um, because looking at Houston, they still have a few things to kind of get together. You know, obviously a lot of mess there. You don't know who their, who their identity is defensively in terms of a base for that defense. Still trying to figure out the quarterback position. Your best wide receiver is Brandon Cooks. No offense to him, but you need more than that. Uh, Jacksonville, they need uh, you know need a few things. Need people to actually step up and actually be leaders of that team. They need Trevor Lawrence to be the guy they thought he was. Running back position, I mean, they need a few things as well. But I think they're they're closer than what Houston is as far as the the Titans and the Colts. They're they're going to be competitive. Both teams are, despite their limitations. Uh, you know, of course, with uh, the Colts wide receiver wise and the uh, Titans. You know, of course, with the looming Ryan Tannehill talk over their heads. As far as the Colts in particular go, we know how their season ended in Jacksonville. A lot of people, I, and maybe I'm I'm nostalgic, Michael, Mike, and Michael. I, I I'm high on Matt Ryan still, but a lot of people don't think Matt Ryan is if at all much better than Philip Rivers that you know they just continue to spin their wheels and that Matt Ryan doesn't elevate them all that much more 
uh, than what they've had in, in recent years. Phillip Rivers was good for him. Carson Wentz, we all know how that played out. Do you think that the Colts, should we have them in that bona fide playoff contender, not just to make the playoffs, but to make noise once they get their conversation, the way we have, you know, the AFC West teams and the Baltimores of the world and, and the Cincinnati's and the Buffaloes, you know, does Indianapolis with the rest of their roster and now adding Matt Ryan, do they belong in, in the serious contender conversation as far as you're concerned, Mike? Mm, I would say not necessarily just yet. I have to see what they do in the draft because defensively they're they're pretty solid when it comes to you know the front four. Uh, the secondary, I believe they can work that out. You got Gus Bradley coming in uh, to be the defensive coordinator from Las Vegas. He brought one of his defensive backs, also a defensive lineman. Um, but they they still have some questions when it comes to offensive weapons. I mean, honestly, if you look at the receivers, you've got. Um, Michael Pittman Jr., and then you've got JT, Jonathan Taylor, at running back. Other than that, you can't really name two other weapons that you can consistently depend on. So I would say offensively, if they were focusing on anything in the draft, wide receiver, anything like that, I, I would draft a lot of wide receivers so that way they can continue to grow there and maybe add some more weapons. If they do that, then I could say, yes, they are a serious, serious team to see when it comes to the playoffs. But until then... I can't really yeah. say that, and I can't really say they're going to win the division easily. Okay. Well, look, the Colts will get to work, at least as it stands right now, in the second round, flip-flopping with the Commanders, and they got the Commanders' third <laughs> rounder in the Carson Wentz trade. Mike Patton, touring the AFC South. Appreciate the knowledge, brother, and welcome to the family. Um, keep up the great work, man. You got a lot of people supporting you and pulling for you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. All right, brother. Thanks, Mike. Be good. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Well, we continue to search for answers in this uh, postmortem of the Nets postseason failure. First team since 1985, at least, to be the preseason betting favorite, not so much as win a game in the playoffs. These Brooklyn not Nets. A game. What does it mean for the Nets? What does it mean for the league? What does it mean for super teams? And it's time for Real Talk presented by Capital One. And who better to have Real Talk? with then our boy Jerry Brewer of the <laughs> Washington Post. But listen, before we even get into the Brooklyn Nets, we got to we got to walk down memory lane. We got to go down memory lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, <laughs> this young kid from New Orleans, this kid, this this sophomore in, in college from New Orleans gets out of 30 applications for an internship gets uh, a summer internship with the Boston Globe sports section. And um, Jerry Brewer and I are on the phone, and he's like, you know what, man? Here's what you got to do when you get up to Boston. You got to hit up this dude, Michael Holly. Michael Holly <laughs> won, won a Pulitzer Prize uh, at the Akron Beacon Journal. He's a columnist with the Boston Globe. Sports Illustrated's hot after this, brother. Like, that should be your mentor is Michael Holly. <laughs> so in many ways, in many ways, brother from another does not exist without Jerry Brewer 
bringing Vroom. the Michaels together. And that is real talk brought to you by Capital That's One right talk. there. Thank you, Jerry Brewer. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, Jerry Brewer. How you doing? Listen, um, I'll take my 5%. I'll give you my address and I'll take my 5%. <laughs> <laughs> Just give hey, it to man, me by June first. first. <laughs> Brew, like, what, what's taking you so long, first of all, to come on the show? I think this is your brother from another debut, if I'm not mistaken. So He should have been, been in the premiere. Come you on, know, man. Hey, like, uh, We're coming up on two years. I was on it one time, but Karin Phillips and, and Vinny Goodwill hosted oh. the show. So I, I was all excited. I was like, I'm going to see Michael and Michael again. It's going to be like and, we were and in we, the and sports we bar in Boston. We were like Kyrie and Katie. We ain't play. We ain't show up. And we y'all like, didn't yeah, show up. Yeah. And and that was like right after they had traded for Harden. And I told mm. Karn and Vinny, you can go back and look. It's the big three that will never be. And they weren't. And and now they got a whole a whole mess of problems beyond that. They're never going to win a championship with that group. Never. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Mike. You, you go ahead, Mike. Right. You talk, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Look, I don't know who needs to hear this, but <laughs> I, I, guess, I, I guess, you know what it is, bro? I mean, like, I, you know, I'm the gullible oh, one wow. between the two of us on, on this here program. I yeah. guess it's like, you know, it's like, what's the alternative? Because I'm looking at it like, if you're the Nets, like, I, I would not want to give him five years of $250 million for obvious reasons. I'm about Kyrie Irving. If he, in fact, opts out and becomes a free agent, right? But despite his protest to Vinnie Goodwill. That's KD's franchise. The Nets aren't about to say, hey, sorry, KD, your road dog, your brother from another Kyrie, we just gonna let him walk. So unless Kyrie decides to play under this one year deal, or unless he decides to take less money, Kyrie's gonna be there because Kyrie wants to be yeah. there because he has his run of the place. So those two dudes coming back make them formidable. I have no idea what's going on with Ben Simmons back. I have no idea what's going on between Ben Simmons ears. But if and I don't know it's a big if they're able to add Ben Simmons and bring back Joe Harris with the way for Michael the Bruce Browns of the world. You know, yeah. uh, we'll see what Patty Mills decides. To I'm, do. I, it's I'm just, restricted free agent though. They may not be able to afford yeah, Bruce Brown. Yeah, they may not be able to afford it. I guess yeah. I'm just like I think they still got to be in the contender conversation. They haven't done it yet. And they haven't been re reliable to even show up and play together. But if, if, if it was a fifth, my aunt had, I know, if they are healthy next year, physically and emotionally and mentally, I mean, that's, that's still a pretty formidable group, is it not? It is a formidable group, and they will be a contender for as long as KD is a great player. I mean, but there's a big difference between contender and bona fide favorite that can finish the deal. There's always going to be something with Kyrie. There's always been something with Kyrie, so there's going to continue to always be something with Kyrie. There's a certain drama around Ben Simmons, and there's a certain softness to him, period. And then you add the fact that Kevin Durant, my second favorite player of all time behind Magic Johnson, love him. Absolutely love all his time. game. Of all, second all favorite time. player oh, wow. of all time. Second yes. wow. favorite player of all time. Whoa. Second favorite time. player That's of all time. Smoke. That's a big one. I, I, wait, I've wait, got a wait, tremendous. Wait. Where did that come from? Like, why? Why did his game? Like, why did you fall in love with Kevin Durant it, so much? It, his game. Obviously, he was in Seattle with, with the last Sonics team. Yeah, but beyond that, like, I've got a, a, a real preference for overskilled, oversized players. 
Magic Johnson as a 6'9 point guard, Kevin Durant as a, as a seven-foot two-guard who can play any position. So right. um, Giannis is quickly becoming third on that list for me, uh, my, among my favorites. And he's another oversized, overskilled guy. The thing with Kevin, however, when, when I look past my love for him, he's about to be 34 years old um, before next season begins. All these lower leg injuries, you know, the knee, uh, the foot, the Achilles, uh, there's always something every year with him. Now you have to look at Kevin Durant and say he's a 65-game player. If you can get 65 regular season games out of him, you got to feel great. Is that enough time for he and Kyrie to mesh? Kyrie has an in- injury history. Ben Simmons is someone who now has missed two years, two entire seasons of his career, and he's got a bad back, and athleticism means everything to him. Joe Harris is going to be coming off a big injury. They got a lot to do. Yes, if you could put, I love the idea of having Curry, Irving, Ben Simmons, uh, KD, and Joe Harris on the floor in a small ball lineup to finish games with all that shooting around Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons' ability to guard one through five. I just don't know if we're ever going to see that team in full for long enough for them to thrive during playoff time. So tell me, tell me how you. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, man. No, no, no. Well, I, I just going to say uh, for both of y'all, time. but but no, take for both time, of y'all, for for both for both of y'all on the Nets. I guess it's like, you know, we joked about it earlier, Brew. Like, you know, this gang up on Shelby Day for the Nets. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like everybody, everybody piling up, to, lining up to slander KD and Kyrie as if like. You know, we wasn't just in all Kyrie's sixty-point games. It's as funny, if, the, sec- as if KD it's funny the second time. <laughs> <laughs> as, if, as, as if, as if, as if KD, you know, didn't put forth an all-time great performance, trying to knock off the defending champions in the playoffs last year. It just felt like KD in particular, and I'll just focus on KD because Kyrie's polarizing. He's aggravating. He's a contrarian. He's annoying. You know, uh, you know, he, he wanted away from LeBron. He, you know, he, he he said one thing to Boston. Like, okay, Kyrie's got is, is not the most popular guy, even though he's hit one of the greatest shots of all time. And LeBron doesn't win a championship in Cleveland without Kyrie. Make no mistake about it. But let's just hone in on your second favorite player of all time, Kevin Durant. I guess the thing that puzzles me, and maybe I'm overstating the tweets or, or the post or the commentary from just some corners. I thought at this point Kevin Durant would be Teflon. I know he left a three uh, uh, blowing a three one lead in Oklahoma City and joined the Warriors who had already won one. I get it, but he was a two time MVP. He wasn't nobody's bus rider on that team. A two time Finals MVP. He wasn't nobody's bus rider. It it fascinates me the amount of slander Kevin Durant has taken throughout this series after the first sweep of his career. What's that about? Well, number one, he didn't play well. Uh, and Boston yeah. had a fantastic game plan. They gave him, they were physical with him. They gave him every possible look, um, changed defenders. And he just, he, for the first time, uh, he just looked uncertain. It very much reminded me of LeBron, his first season with the Heat in the, in the 2011 finals when the Mavs mm-hmm. went to that zone against him. And LeBron would right. before, before get the he ball. Had a jumper. He would, he would hold it, and he couldn't figure out what he wanted to do. 
And there were a lot of times in that in that series where Durant, he'd get it, he's over dribbling. There would be a guy open in the corner, he wouldn't pass it to him. Yeah. It's, you know, it's I mean, if they're just going to, and, and sometimes it was Seth Curry who was open. It's like, why are you not passing to, you know, this phenomenal 43% mm-hmm. three-point shooter? Uh, so he was lost in his head, and I get it. Uh, he's a lightning rod. Uh, ever since he blew that 3-1 lead in Oklahoma City and then went to the Warriors, uh, there's kind of this idea that he can he can do no right, um, even though he's, hmm. to me, he's like guaranteed top 15 all time if he never picks up a basketball again. Maybe some other people would argue that, but I'd be like, go ahead and give you Give me the other maybe fifteen guys, and maybe uh, and maybe higher, and, Brew. Maybe even higher than fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I think if he if he found a way to win a championship in Brooklyn and get number three, I mean, he's really knocking on that door of of top ten to me. Um, he's phenomenal, but it, it's it's easy to pick on him. Uh, you see this skinny guy, this score, and uh, he made a really poor decision. I mean, it's just it's not a smart. It's not a smart business move to leave Which Steph one? Curry and Golden State oh, okay. after you took you yeah. took all that to go to Golden State and you leave yeah. them clearly but as we're seeing now before they're done to go try to create something with the biggest narcissist and least reliable <laughs> high reputation star in the NBA and a guy who let's face it the Celtics have been really better feel, the Celtics were better yeah, exactly. without Kyrie when he was there. Right. The Nets when he last was there. year. Yeah, <laughs> when he was there. The Nets last year when Kyrie got hurt still, you know, was a size 18 shoe away from oh, there it is. going to we don't the bring, We don't bring finals. that up around here. We don't bring but that we, up around here, bro. We don't bring we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno or the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it is gang up on oh. Shelby Day. And, and, I mean, like, I oh. love Shelby. But I ain't trying to marry her. Okay, well, listen, it, you know, I would, hey, I would, hey, hey, you know, Bruce, I, well, I, just to close that circle, I was always uh, a, a Shelby fan. Well, I gotta tell you this: drama uh, Bruce, and all. I don't uh, blame her. Michael Smith. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you this: what Michael Smith really hates, he hates uh, a certain cackle that I have. It is a I told you so cackle and he just like he just covers his ears when I do it and the, the last time I gave it to him really I, I think one of the last times was when James Harden was traded to Philly because the window like Mike it's over it was over then like even if the if, if the Nets had beaten for Brooklyn. Brooklyn even if they no, you when, don't when get you to say James I told Harden, you so the only thing no, no, you get to I told, say I told you so I told about you so is, the, is Boston being better. You were saying no, that no, these no, people no, should on. fear them, Michael. You were saying no, no, at the I end said, of the season that nobody yes, wanted to see Brooklyn say, in the playoffs. I didn't say they were a championship team. I'm telling you, when they traded, their whole idea, they went all in for three guys. It was KD, Kyrie, and Harden. That was the plan. And that was and that was a little shaky plan. To begin with, because if you want to take credit, defense. If you want to take credit, if you want to, if you really want to take credit, Michael, if you really want to take credit, that was their narrow path. You said that was their narrow path. You said from the very beginning, when they came together, that they wouldn't win. Right. Okay. But if they had a chance, but if they had, but any chance they had of winning a championship, really Mm -hmm. had to involve all three of them. 
And once they got rid of James Harden, then that was it. Like if they beat in Boston, they still weren't going to win the championship. They, they play Milwaukee again. They face Milwaukee and lose. So I don't know. Well, I, I think it. I actually on. think it was. They gonna win. I actually think it was. I think it was over for the Nets the minute they decided to trade all that depth for Harden. I knew that Harden, Kyrie, and KD were not going to work out. Uh, Harden does not want to be a secondary type player. Uh, Joel and B will find that out soon. Um, and it's just a bad mix of personalities. There's no leadership. Uh, there's not enough, uh, especially among James and Kyrie defense. It just wasn't going to work out. And they had this complement of guys. What made it interesting when Kyrie decided to go to Brooklyn and bring KD along with him was that they had gone through all the pains of losing all those draft picks to, to Boston and having to draft late. And they came up with Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie in the second round and uh, late first round pick on Jared Allen. And then they had they had the Joe Harris's and a couple of other guys. And now all of a sudden they went all in on this big three idea. And two of those big three are like incredibly unreliable. And then it was inevitable that James was going to ask out once you saw just how weird everything was. And now they're really stuck. And so, somehow, so let me somehow they 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 took one of the teams that that had ideal depth for this era. When you look at all mm -hmm. the teams that are prime contenders, they're teams that 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 have really nice eight nine man rotations, and they've got two stars, but they're more organically built. And so they took everything organic about that team and just made this big trade that in this Great era, point. like I'm talking about Great point. post Toronto Ooh, Raptors NBA, yeah. ever since Kawhi and the Raptors won and Golden State broke up, you don't have to have three. I would rather have two and a great rotation. And they were well on their way to doing that. Uh, but but they kind of ruined that. Well, wait and a then it's gone wait, to wait, another wait, level wait. with like Kyrie only playing 29 games this year. So that, that brings me to the, the bigger picture and your column in the Washington Post that the NBA super team era is fading. I guess I would ask this. All right, I'll go along with you with the purpose of this conversation. The Nets will never win, which would make this experiment a failure. But do you blame them for trying? Hindsight's 2020, and some people had the foresight to see this coming. Some people had, no, I'm serious, Michael. Some people had the foresight, I'm talking yeah. about you, yeah. to, to see yeah. that this would not happen, that, this, that, that, that they wouldn't yeah. win this thing. Yeah. I don't blame them for thinking that a Harden, Kyrie, Katie triumvirate would be devastating enough to win a championship. And for the 16 or 17 games they played together, they were damn good. This team did not, this team did not come up short of, of championship expectations for lack of talent or lack of ability. They were just never together. They mm -hmm. were never together enough to actually see it through. So I don't know that the idea of, of, of assembling three stars is an antiquated one, Brew. Because even in, in Milwaukee, how, it's, it's how you go about getting them. However you go about getting it, so be it. Okay, because even in Milwaukee, they didn't win nothing until they got Drew Holiday. You know, they had right. Middleton and they had Giannis Holmes, but they got Drew Holiday. In yeah. Phoenix, they may have drafted DeAndre Ayton and, 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 and Devin Booker, but they became complete when they got Chris Paul. 
But you look know, what I they did, still, though. But look how they got them, though. But in your in your examples, they drafted uh, of, of those Chris two. Paul, yes, they added they added Chris Paul. They didn't give up Cam Johnson and Cam. They didn't add, they didn't give up their depth. And the same thing with uh, no Milwaukee doubt. with Drew Holiday. They gave up a lot of future picks, but they didn't give up a lot of depth to get Drew Holiday. So, uh, so that's why I said it's a matter of how you get them. But the idea that three stars, I think it's the th- it's. I'll say this to you, Brew, and I'll pass it to you. I think it's the right three stars that fit. Mm-hmm. And let's go back to the Heatles. That wasn't LeBron, Wade, and Bosch having their run of the place, not on Pat Riley's watch. Maybe it's not yes. just the right three stars, but how those three stars mesh with management Ooh. because yeah, I don't yeah, think it's any yeah, coincidence yeah. that the Nets are at home and so are the Lakers. Yes. After that, after you- LeBron pushed for Russell Westbrook. I think you really hit on on that point and it was like asinine to me after the game and I thought there were some moments when Kyrie was pretty introspective uh, about what went wrong and his role and what went wrong but then he starts talking about me and Kevin and Joe and, and Sean Marks like getting together to really manage this thing. I love like, it. I love it. I love it. And it's like come on man like you're a damn fool here. Okay. Um, this was the problem. You know, LeBron and the Heatles, LeBron goes to Miami. LeBron didn't get to do everything he wanted to do. I mean, he would have probably gotten Eric Spolster fired in year one if Riley would have let him. That didn't happen. He had to do things for the Heat that made him a better player that led to him being able to win a championship in Cleveland. And so even though they were built in this strip it down and add two-star, multiple all-stars, that's kind of the super team model just take everything down and get multiple all-stars together. Even though they did that, they still had a culture that they had to adhere to. Kevin Durant going to a championship level, 73 and nine Warriors team. He had to come in and he had to learn to play a different style of basketball to really play in that, you know, incredibly read and react fluid NBA style Princeton-ish offense. And he didn't like it enough to stay for more than three years. But guess what? He did it. He won two championships. He got two finals MVPs. He should have taken that knowledge from winning the title to Brooklyn and realized, like, you have to do it within a structure. Kyrie should have been able to take that knowledge from winning a championship with LeBron in Cleveland and come to Brooklyn after that disaster in Boston with some humility and realizing we have to like bring our unique talents, but we have to be willing to be molded into a structure. They didn't do that. And so I think the difference between this version of a super team and the heat and say the, the warriors with KD and, and even the Lakers, uh, once they got, they got AD and LeBron together is there was a sacrifice. And it wasn't always just the stars doing everything they absolutely wanted to do. When you have those moments where you bring them together and you don't housebreak them, to be honest, and like tell them this is the way things are going to go, that's when you have problems. Because there, there, there are a lot of amazing basketball minds among superstar players in the NBA, CP and LeBron and, KD right. and Steph and so on and so right. forth. Not none of them can be the GM of a multiple championship team. 
the ones that have been given that absolute power to try, the only one who did it was LeBron, and he had to come back 3-1 from the Warriors, which was more about stepping over Draymond Green, getting him kicked out of the game, and just things going <laughs> bad. Like, like that, that yeah. was just like, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like it was impossible to repeat that comeback that they had. So yeah. you you got to, I mean, it goes back to that, the, the Jordan, Jerry Krause argument about uh, organizations, organizations win championships. Win championships. Yeah, yeah. Organizations yeah. with phenomenal talent that is willing to bend a little win championships. Right. It's uh, it's, it's this era of, of, of player empowerment. It's just interesting. And you see it in the NFL too. It's like we, we're yeah. in the new age yeah. of player empowerment. It's like, what, what, what is that line? Where it's like the teams have to take control and be like, nah, just like catering to you in order to get you to come to our franchise. Will we actually reach the ultimate goal if we don't do it, as you said earlier, organically? And that's uh, that's real talk presented by Capital One. What's in your wallet? Jerry Brewer, you are money, my brother. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Jerry Brewer. Good to see you. Anytime. Good to see you, too. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. When I look at Garrett Wilson, I see the polish in the route running. I see the ability to win before the catch. Tremendous at the catch point, guys. A different level of strength compared to Alave, where it's the tracking, it's the strong hands, it's the vertical leap, it's the body control in the air, where I don't care that he's six feet tall. He plays like a six foot four wide receiver. I think before the catch, he reminds me of Calvin Ridley. He tested way better than Calvin Ridley, and he's got juice after the catch. I got to see him in person this year. It's incredible what he can do with the ball in his hands the ability to make guys miss. So I would be comfortable building an offense around Garrett Wilson. Hey, Michael Smith, you heard uh, you heard Connor Rogers there talking about our next guest. Not only is he one of the best wide receivers uh, in the Big Ten, one of the best wide receivers in Ohio State history. He's my homeboy. Come on, Garrett. O.H. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. The pro- I'm, I'm a lifelong Buckeye, Garrett. So I was trying. I'm trying to keep it cool here. But hey, I'm just go. I'm out. I'm out the box now. I'm out the box now. Ain't no reason uh, to keep it heard- cool, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's right. That's right. You know, you heard what uh, Connor Rogers, respected draft analyst, said about you and uh, your playing strength and how you play bigger than your size. You know, this year you had 12 touchdown receptions. Uh, that doubled the previous year, and I know it was fewer games in a COVID season, but if you had to explain it in, in a sentence or two or a concept or two, what, what made you better in 2021 compared to 2020? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I wanted to take a different mindset into the offseason uh, after my sophomore year after that Corona season. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a different season. You know, it was, it was kind of hard to get your groove, not knowing, you know, what was going to happen week to week. And uh, going back to knowing this past season was – was, I mean, a blessing, you know, you kind of took that for granted and didn't realize what it was like having fans in there. And, um, you know, I want to take that different approach. And I feel like, you know, I, I saw it pay off, 
you know, on Saturdays, you know, I wasn't able to stay healthy all season, but, um, you know, I felt like I put good film, good film out and felt good about what I was able to do. You know, it's interesting. We talk about some of these uh, Ohio State wide receivers in the draft. So it's you projected first rounder. See Chris Olave projected first rounder and over the years. There's been a lot, a lot of talented Ohio State wide receivers who've been in the NFL and it's funny. I don't know if you look at some of the pictures around the facility there going back old school. Woody Hayes was a coach. They talked about three yards and a cloud of dust and Archie Griffin was the featured guy. I mean, I, I, let's, let's, just, let's be real here. Do you think you could have played? You would have wanted to play at Ohio State in that era. It's become a passing school and it was always known as a running school. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, to be honest with you, I, I saw what Coach Day was doing with the offense, and and um, like you know, I was I was able to come up when Dwayne Haskins, you know, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins, and um, and Joe Burrow was were battling out for the starting job. I think I was a junior going into my senior year in high school, and um, I saw what they were doing with the offense. And, you know, that played a huge impact in me wanting to come up to Ohio State. You know, I wanted to be a part of a, an offense that I felt like you know receivers were featured, and you know, I'd never seen that at Ohio State, and that was just. You know, something that I believed in Coach Day and what he, his mindset and what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, so did my family. And, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said that throwing the ball wasn't a, something I was looking for in, in my recruitment. Hey, Garrett, uh, and, and you're here on behalf of Old Spice, obviously. Um, you just referenced the late Dwayne Haskins. Uh, as a Ohio State family, as a Buckeye family, um, and we saw you guys honored him uh, at the spring game, uh, just the other day. How are you guys processing and, and, and dealing with your grief as a family with the loss of uh, of such a popular player in Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely been really hard and, and, I, and, I, and I, I never played with him, but uh, you know, just the impact he had on me and knowing that I didn't play with him and he still, you know, wanted to reach out to me and when I committed to the school and still, you know, always cheered me on throughout my career at Ohio State, you know, it meant a whole lot to me, you know. You know, he was someone that I looked up to, and I, you know, I talked to people like Chris who, who had the opportunity to play with him. And um, you know, what we keep on thinking about is the impact he did have and how special his life, his life was, and what he was able to accomplish while he, while he was alive. And um, you know, that kind of keeps uh, you know me in good spirit about it. You know, he was able to accomplish so much. You know, he changed Ohio State football as I knew it, and uh, you know, just uh, his his energy and. And his, uh, his impact he left on people, it was really special. And, uh, you know, I'm just really sad that, you know, he's not here anymore. Back to uh, just the, the tradition and the competition. I saw I saw a mock draft that's got, in any particular order, you, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams all going back to back to back. That could, that could potentially happen. You guys should all yeah. go in the first round. Same wide receiver room, all three of y'all potentially in the first round. But Michael talked about the tradition there of, of, of really every position, but wide receivers most recently in particular. How did the competition and the tradition of Ohio State wide receivers bring out the best in you, Garrett Wilson? Yeah, I mean, it, it forces it forces you to tap into that level where, um, you know, you're 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 pushing yourself to limits that you know you you kind of have to because if you don't, you know, the person behind you is better than you, and um, you know, being at a place like Ohio State, I feel like you can't you can't really find that everywhere. You know, you, some places, you know, the best player can kind of can kind of coast, but uh, you know, being at Ohio State these past three years, you know, every year that 
you know, I spent there, another another dog was coming in behind me, had a mindset to where I was like, oh yeah, let me, let me learn something from him and let me take something from his game, add it to my game. And, um, let me not let it, you know, go work out by himself, you know, because why, why, would, why would a freshman do that? You know, I'm speaking on Marvin Harrison Jr. right now, like this dude, this dude is a, is an animal, like he goes all day. And, um, you know, I just know that he changed my whole mindset on, on you know, what a work ethic was. And like, and like, you know, he kept me on my toes. He forced me to, to really tap into my, to my uh, ability and try to push to, you know, be better at the things I wasn't, you weren't my strength. You know, let me ask you a question. I, I, I know, uh, I know flukes sometimes happen in sports. You know that uh, more than anybody, you know, you, you can see you operated at a consistently high level and every now and then, you know, flukes happen like this year in Michigan, you know, messed around and won a game against Ohio State. They acted <laughs> like they they acted like they won a national championship after they, they beat Ohio State for the first time. Was it 30 years, 20 years anyway? But let me ask you this. This is what the old school people used to say back when it was a different college football system before the college football playoff. If Ohio State or, or, or somebody else got in besides Ohio State, people would say things like, well, I'm rooting for the conference. I'm rooting for the Big Ten. So when you saw Michigan in the college football playoff, let's be real here because I wasn't rooting for them. I wanted them to lose. When you saw Michigan in the college football playoff, were you rooting for Michigan or rooting against them? Yeah, no, nah, there is no root for Michigan. So I right, root for that team up north. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I mean it's really that simple. No, I was not rooting for Michigan. <laughs> how'd they? How'd they? How'd they mess around and, and, and win that game? You ever think about it? Like, come on, how'd, yeah, they, how'd they? How'd they beat you guys? You... No, they had they had a really good good game plan, and um, you know we came out and we weren't ready to play. You know, you can you can watch our first offensive drive. You know, we, we look discombobulated. We look like we're letting the uh, the moment be bigger than us, and you know that that wasn't us to that point. But you know, we played on did some uncharacteristic things that game, and um, you know, when you do that against good teams, you're gonna lose. And um, you know, that was an example of that. You're a dope wide receiver, Garrett. But as I understand it, basketball is your favorite sport. Uh, your dad hooped at Davidson and with the Denver Nuggets, you had D1 scholarship offers coming out of high school. Well, before we get to just how that translates to the football field, put on your analyst hat. What you think of these crazy playoffs? I know you locked into the NBA playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm shocked by, by Brooklyn going down, you know, and losing in the first round and getting sweet. So, you know, I probably would have had them at least get into the finals, you know, something like that. But uh, to see them lose to Boston, you know, 4-0, I'm definitely, you know, shocked by that. But, I mean, you know, basketball, NBA basketball, it's just hard to judge. You know, you watch the whole regular season, and it's hard to get a grip on, on you know, who's really that team because the regular season ain't as important, you know. So, um, I definitely watch a whole lot of ball, and, and I've been keeping track of it, you know, when I can this, uh, throughout this draft process. So how are you taking those basketball skills and applying it uh, when it comes to contested catches and your catch radius? All the things that the scouting reports say that you excel at. Is that that is that that D1 basketball player? Is that is that is that from you getting yeah. that from pops? Yeah, I mean, I give I give basketball a lot of credit for my um, ability. You know, I feel like um, you know, some of those catches I make, the reason why I do go up and do them without thinking about it too much is because of basketball. You know, I, I was a uh, I mean, I, I would play basketball at kind of a high level since like second, second, first grade. So, um, you know, traveling, playing AAU and, and um, you know, one foot jumps, all those jump stops, you know, all that stuff, you know, crossover, that stuff all translates to the football field and um, grabbing a rebound and, 
you know, I try to I try to keep that same mindset as you know going and attacking the ball, all that you know, even when I'm on the football field. So, hey, Garrett, my, my last question for you is this: what What's your What's your plan for Vegas draft plan? Who's going to be there? You got the You got the outfit picked out. Yeah. What, what What's the uh, What's the strategy going to be? Yeah, so I, I do have an outfit picked out. Um, you know, it's a little out of the box, so I'm excited. I'm excited for for you know for y'all to see. But um, you know, I'm feeling good about my outfit, and then obviously, you know, my whole family of seven is going to be there. So. You know my three older brothers and my one my one younger sister, uh, my parents, uh, two of my friends from back home in Lake Travis that are in college now, and then my girlfriend as well. So you know it'll be a special week, and you know I'll have the right people around me for it. Boy, right, we know you're gonna be smelling good thanks to Old Spice, but oh, yeah, when it man. comes to the, the the Ohio State family that's gonna be represented, Jamison Williams, but Chris uh, but Chris Olave in particular. What's that relationship like? What's this process been like for the two of you? Because you're constantly mentioned in the same breath, you know, it's, yeah. you know or compared to each other either. You're even, you know, Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson. Who's better? Who does this? Who does that? Who goes first? This, that, and the other. Just what do you think about being connected to Chris as you guys go into your NFL journeys? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we played together for these last for these last three years, and it's been. It's been like it's been amazing. Like, like we were we were so thankful to be able to play with each other for for our reasons, and we also like know that we like we took away, you know, touchdowns and stats from each other just because like, uh, you know, that's that's how it had to be. We were trying to win as many games as possible, and um, Chris, Chris is such a great talent, great person too. Most importantly, and uh, you know, throughout this process, I feel like our relationship has only grown. You know, we've, we've had a lot of uh, things to talk about. You know, kind of bounce ideas off of each other. You know, being on the other side of college, and um, you know, traveled together. Actually, we did, actually did a few of our, our visits together as well. So, you know, we spent a lot of time, a lot of time together. You know, talking about different things, and just you know, talking about where we where we hope we end up or where we might end up um, doing, like you know, uh, what is scenarios, excuse me, and uh, you know, different things like that. You know, me and Chris have a great relationship. It's only grown, and as far as having my name connected, you know, I feel like me and him don't bond today. You know, we just boys. We got a, we got a lot of love for each other, and we just want to see each other succeed. So, um, you know, that's kind of more for the fan. And you know, me and Chris, we are own we're own people. You know, we played out Ohio State together, and we, you know, we just real good friends. And that's um, that's kind of what it is. Well, we know iron sharpens iron. Whether it's that wide receiver room or it's even the cornerbacks that you go against in practice every day, let alone the competition that you guys are facing on Saturdays. So you're definitely ready for the NFL. Garrett Wilson, we appreciate you, man. And if nothing else, thank you, thank you for making Michael Holly's 2022. There it is. You're the first Buckeye we've talked to in, in quite a while. So yeah, <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll be following you. Next level. I'll be following <laughs> you no matter so where much. you wind up. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank thank y'all for having me. All right, man. Be good. All the best. Recording stopped. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. All right, welcome back to the show. 
Look, we've been talking about quarterbacks, rightfully so. Five quarterbacks went in the first round last year. Everybody says it. If you don't have a quarterback, it's gonna be have you're gonna have a really hard time winning a championship, winning a Super Bowl in the NFL. So we talk about quarterbacks more than we talk about any other position. And some say this year's draft lacks a true franchise quarterback that you have to really look really deep to find a jewel there. And some other people say, hey, wait a minute. Beauty is right there. You're just not paying attention. So we had to get ourselves a quarterback expert, a quarterback whisperer. It's Chrissy Freud. Chrissy, you have studied this. You've, uh, you love talking about quarterbacks. Uh, you've got some interesting rankings, one through 10. So first of all, before I get to that, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So look, we're excited. You know, Michael Smith is not here right now. I think he's on his way to Vegas. We'll be out uh, in Vegas for uh, the draft in, in a couple of days. But I want to get your take on who you think the number one quarterback in this class is because I haven't heard a lot of people saying this name. So tell me why this person is your number one and why. Yeah, well, Carson Strong ahead of last season and then even at the beginning of last season was projected by some people to be the number one overall pick in the draft regardless of position. And then this narrative kind of came about that there was something long-term wrong with his knee that was later on cleared. But the hysteria of that has never gone away and it's kind of overshadowed the fact that this guy is the most developed passer in the class after playing in the air raid and really had arguably the most consistent season of any quarterback that's in this class. So... I think it's just there's basically every single stigma that exists surrounds him, the air raid, the pocket passer, uh, the thing with the knee. So I think he's just up against a lot of things that he can't control that really aren't substantiated. All right. Well, let's do this, Chrissy. Like if, if you look at your number one, Carson Strong, and, I, and I've seen what you said about Malik Willis, let's put them on a split screen. Carson Strong, Malik Willis. What would you say Strong's upside is? Because that's what everybody talks about Malik Willis. Upside, upside, upside. What's Strong's upside versus Willis's upside, in your opinion? No, I think they're, they're two totally different quarterbacks. And the reasoning that I use uh, kind of moving with this is because a quarterback, especially in the modern era of the NFL, the way it's trending now, I believe, is it's a quarterback who is first and foremost a good pocket passer, but also has just enough mobility uh, to evade pressure and move when he absolutely needs to. I thought that Carson Strong showed that. So when you look at last year's draft class and you think about guys like Mac Jones and how he's the most successful so far of that class, then I, I think that's kind of how you can see the Carson Strong trajectory going if he stays on that and does do something like Mac Jones did. And then Malik Willis, if he hits, he has by far the highest ceiling in this class and will quickly become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because he's the best of both worlds right now. So throughout offseason showcases, he's putting more touch on his passes. He's become just more developed on different levels of throws uh, throughout the pre-draft process. But there was a lot of bad tape as far as he goes as a passer. But he, as far as raw athletic ability, physical tools, stuff of that nature, he had everyone else beat from the start. So I think that if he hits that ceiling, things are going to be really good for him, but there's a lot of potential for him to go bust, and I just can't ignore those red flags there. Yeah, let's talk fits. I'm just fascinated with this because we know if you're a quarterback and you go to the wrong situation, no matter how talented you are, it's not going to be 
really successful for you. Uh, so Mac Jones, you mentioned him. Mac Jones went to the Patriots, had a strong infrastructure already in place. Uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are, are practically best friends. So it was great intel coming from Saban to Belichick. Mac Jones has been coached by Saban, so he can be coached by Belichick. That was really the perfect fit for him. So when we talk about Strong and Willis, I really want to focus on those two. What's the, what do you think a good fit would be for Strong, and what's a good fit for for Willis? Well, I think Willis is he can come into a team, and if he does hit that ceiling, or at least can utilize that mobility, that he can fit in a lot of different places, just because he has this very broad skill set. Um, I have him currently projected to go to the Detroit Lions at number two, just because I think predictively that's probably what they're going to do. And then when I look at Carson, I would like to see him go somewhere like Pittsburgh. Um, I know he's been mocked to San Francisco before he, but he needs just bottom line. He needs to go somewhere where they have a solid offensive line, some decent targets, and then probably preferably somewhere where they've had a pocket passer do well before, kind of like the half with Mac Jones. I'll tell you, I, I, I can't tell you who told me this. I can't tell you this, but uh, it, it's someone who doesn't necessarily have an agenda. They don't have an agenda. Uh, they're not picking players. They know about picking players, but they're not, they're not picking players in this draft. And, and it was described to me this way. The quarterback class was described to me this way. You've got a bunch of second and third rounders who have all been promoted because they're such a, a, a thirst for quarterbacks and, and franchises and head coaches and general managers know they need to do something at that position. Uh, do you agree with that assessment or would you, do you think it's a little too negative and that some of these guys, regardless of the year, if you put them out there and you look at, you just put on the tape, some of these guys are, are true first rounders. What do you think? Well, I think just looking at it, there's a lot of guys in this class that lack it factor. Uh, there are some guys who had one good season and the rest of them were kind of lackluster. So there's a lot of question marks. But as far as just the class as a whole, I see a lot of guys who have at least high-end backup potential. So I think this could potentially be a really good class for that. And then I see probably somewhere between three and four that might come out and surprise us and could potentially be starters that no one saw coming. I think that there are a lot of things to like about this class, but it seems like every quarterback is missing one piece, whether it be uh, that continued consistent tape or whether it be a trait that you want to see or something of that nature. There's just, there's no guy that we look at and we go, Oh, maybe this is a generational talent. Kind of the way that people were with Trevor Lawrence, the way that people were with Joe Burrow. You know, uh, Chrissy, I'll admit this. I'm, I'm like most journalists and that is my, my weak spot is I like anybody who talks to me, like anybody who talks to a journalist, they, they tend to like them. They're like, Oh, wow, it's great. Oh yeah. You want to talk to me? You got to give me, you got to help me with my story. I like you a lot. So uh, my, my bias, my blind spot already, I'm telling you, we talked with Desmond Ritter last week. Impressive guy, smart guy. I really, it's the first time I talked to him. I'm like, I'm a Desmond Ritter fan. Then I look at your list and you have them, I think, number six out of 10. I'm wondering why you're not giving my guy, he's my guy now, my guy Desmond Ritter, uh, a little bit more love. Well, see, you know how it feels when people don't give your guy love because I'm in the same position, obviously. Uh, I also talked to Des Desmond earlier this offseason. I like what he's done in this pre-draft process. Um, he, we talked a lot about how he's overhauling his lower body mechanics a little bit, making some changes there, trying to find more consistency there. 
My big thing with him was I do believe the Cincinnati offense limited him. I would like to see what he can do outside of the Cincinnati offense. I think he has a good degree of athleticism. But I also saw some issues from time to time with decision making and then overall accuracy, which should be improved um, after this offseason with the training that he's done. But I'm going to need to see it just on tape. I think that he probably brings the best set of foundational traits. So just a lot that's unproven and still to be seen, in my opinion. You think he's a, a you know, five years from now, I, you know, we got to we, we're going to see the future here. We'll do it all on brother from another. So we look into the future five years from now. Is Desmond Ritter a starting quarterback uh, or is he just like a, a really good backup who maybe is like the 33rd, 34th best uh, quarterback in football? I'm going to go high end backup and then st- starting potential if the right situation finds him or if he happens into the right situation uh, over that stretch of time. But the universe tends to work against me with these kind of things. So we can go ahead and assume the opposite is going to happen. <laughs> well, well, tell me this. I, yeah, okay, you, you, you that, see, I like the humility. Now you got to promote yourself a little bit. Now, which which quarterback did you see early, and you said, "Hey, watch this guy," and and now that quarterback is getting it done. When you're in your early uh, pre-draft process, you looked at him, and nobody else could really see it. You have a quarterback like that, and like, hey, I saw him before everybody else knew him. Well, I feel like I was like that with Carson Strong. I feel like I was on him before anybody else, and I'm, he should at least go early mid-round, and I think that he deserves to go earlier than he's currently projected to. And then Bailey Zappi and Kenny Pickett, I had both boosted them up in the rankings back whenever they were probably somewhere between 15 and 20 and everybody else's, and then suddenly they took that jump and everyone else's afterwards. So I'd like to think that there are a few guys I've discovered in this class. Yeah, you got to do that. See, like, we're like, you're a music fan and you, you see a band before they go stadium. They're like small cafe, you know, house of blues type of venues. Then they go big stadium. Everybody knows them. You're like, no, 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 no. That's kind of cheating. Now we know they're good, but I saw them before everybody knew. Last one I have for you. You mentioned them already. Kenny Pickett. I have a friend of mine in Pittsburgh who told me in the beginning of the season, hey, we got this year's Joe Burrow in Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. Uh, I don't hear people talking about him the way they talk about Joe Burrow. How do you see Pickett as a pro? Well, I think the thing with that was that there's so many people that put a lot of stock into these offseason showcases, which, yes, they do show us some things. They do show us the player individually. But in my opinion, Kenny Pickett did not do anything to hurt himself or to boost himself throughout this pre-draft process. So it's interesting to me to watch how he went from a largely QB one or QB two. And now in some people's rankings, he's moving down between three and six. So I think that he's going to at least be a high end backup. I think he's above average in every single aspect of quarterbacking. And I've seen the flashes of Joe Burrow. I do see similarities. I'm talking with Kenny with the mindset, uh, with some of the mobility, with some of the way that they throw the ball. And I think that if he can capitalize off those flashes, we're talking something special here. But I do think that there's a bit of a talent gap right now and how that develops will remain to be seen at the NFL level. Chrissy, fantastic talking with you. Love talking about quarterbacks. Love talking about the draft. We'll continue to follow your work. Uh, we are on our way to Vegas. We're psyched. I hope we can catch up with you again. Yeah, I'll see you there. All right, Chrissy Freud, check her out. She knows quarterbacks, quarterback whisperer. I know that the process that we've gone through in terms of getting to know the quarterback pool is, has gained some attention, but it's, 
it's not an irregular process for us in terms of, you know, locking in and, and getting a feel for a certain pool within the pool, if you will. I, I think that is the ultimate competitor's position. And so those that run to and not from competition, those that embrace uh, competition and the intensity of it um, and the anxiety maybe associated with it, um, I think they have a leg up. Obviously, there's some pedigree-related things per the position, arm strength, accuracy, and so forth, but that's evident. It's either present or it's not. Um, the intangible quality associated with competition, I think, is something that's valuable. Now, I, got you, I bet you guys are wondering, okay, why is he playing Mike Tomlin's sound? Why? Because it's National Poetry Month, and one of my favorite poets... One of my favorite poets is Mike Tomlin. Look, actually, one of my favorite poets used to be uh, in Pittsburgh, used to work at the University of Pittsburgh named Terrence Hayes. And I love Terrence Hayes. Check out his work. Brilliant poet. But Mike Tomlin, I think, has Terrence Hayes beat. I just love listening to the phraseology of Mike Tomlin. And the great part about it, you see Kevin Colbert sitting there just listening to him. Just like, ooh, what is he talking about? I'm not even sure what that means, but I like listening to it. They said the great Miles Davis used to call up Bill Evans, the piano player, and say, hey, Bill, just play the piano. I just want to listen. I don't care what you play. I just want you to play so I can listen. So Mike Tomlin is my Bill Evans. Just say something, and I'll listen. Hey, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.